Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail, a reckoning in the world of crypto. Is this the Lehman moment for crypto? That's the question some in the industry are now asking. FTX shocked investors by declaring bankruptcy this week. It spent millions making sure its name was seen and known. This week, the multi-billion dollar company run by Sam Bankman-Fried crashed. The company filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy Friday, with Bankman-Fried issuing a mea culpa on Twitter. The convoluted story of two intertwined companies which has caused the value of many cryptocurrencies to plummet and strengthened calls for better regulation. The proper place for this would be for Congress to put some proper legislation in place to really give guardrails for this. Today on the podcast, Darian Woods, the co-host of NPR's The Indicator podcast, joins me to explain the fall of one of the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchanges and why this is sending ripples throughout the financial world. This is a complicated story. So I wonder, like, before we really get into it, before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this, can we kind of, like, step back and think of this maybe as, like, a parable or, like, an Aesop's fable? What is this story about? Yeah. Yeah, what are the morals of the story? That's 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 great. I mean, the story still hasn't finished. Um, mm. There's a, all kinds of criminal probes happening. Now to the issue of potential criminality. Police in the Bahamas are working with the Nation Securities Commission to investigate whether there was any criminal misconduct in FTX's collapse. The bankruptcy was filed just on Friday. So so a lot of this is still to be played out. But But so far, the biggest lesson is know what you're investing in. We need to learn about some of the players in this story before we talk about the story itself. Let's talk mm. about them. Maybe the the biggest character in all this is a guy called Sam Bankman-Fried. The thing that I was pointing at, I think, was, you know, how many of these things are basically purely economic with no real potential for a product or a use case outside of speculation over it itself at the end. Who's known by his initials, SBF. Tell me a bit about this guy. So Sam Bankman-Fried, or SBF, is this... He's been perceived as the good guy in crypto. So, you know, cryptocurrencies can be seen as kind of fringe. There are some grifters, there are some hucksters and scammers and and people who have really flashy, conspicuous consumption. But Sam Bankman-Fried has kind of been an antidote to all that. Like he speaks very cogently about about cryptocurrencies and its risks and its benefits, and is very understated. He doesn't buy expensive cars, for example. He he will show up and lobby in Washington D.C. actually asking for more regulation, not less regulation. We have a transparent system where all of our data is openly available and free where risk parameters are transparent. We are already regulated. So he's kind of been this antidote to the crypto bro. At least that's the image that he's been projecting. Prior to this kind of implosion, he was worth around an estimated $16 billion. He was donating heavily to the Democratic Party. You know, he was this kind of mop of hair wearing shorts, going around asking for more regulation. And that image has been completely tarnished over the last week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in in a world where many crypto CEOs make themselves out to be like flying Lamborghinis, SBF is uh, Ford Mondeo. He is the Ford Mondeo of the crypto (laughs) world. But even that Ford Mondeo was found to have some motor issues. Let's put it that way. 
All right, so SBF owns two companies or founded two companies, and they are also main characters in this story. Those companies are FTX and Alameda Research. So let's start with FTX. Tell me about this company. FTX is what's known as an exchange. So it's like a stock exchange. It matches crypto buyers with crypto sellers. And this is kind of meant to be a pretty straightforward business, um, not huge risk. It's meant to just clip the ticket along the way and help people buy Bitcoin or Ethereum, that kind of thing. It was one of the world's largest exchanges. It was seen as safe. It sponsored a lot of sports stars. Well, Tom Brady, Steph Curry and Major League Baseball, among those key players and leagues involved with FTX. It sponsored sports stadiums. It had Larry David appear in the Super Bowl for an ad. What is it? A toilet, my lord. A toilet? You expect this court to do its business inside? We're not animals. (laughs) We go outside like humans. This was perceived, you know, it promoted itself as, you know, the safe and kind of steady, boring exchange to buy and sell crypto. How do crypto exchanges make money? The way they should make money is just there'll be a bunch of people who buy crypto at a certain price and and a people and a bunch of people who sell at a certain price. That may not be the exact amount. So there'll be like a little bit of a gap in the middle uh, and and they'll they'll take that cut. Okay. And one of the things that FTX did, which is a relatively common thing for crypto exchanges to do, is issue its own token. And that is an important part of the story, isn't it? Yeah. So so they created their own token, FTT. And, you know, this is, I guess, something that you see in the crypto world. On its face wasn't the world's dodgiest thing in this space of crypto. But then as we start to see the linkages to Alameda Research, that's when things start to unravel a bit. In terms of how I should think about FTT, I'm a little bit... Like, should I think of FTT as being like a stock or like air points? Because like the the value of FTT is tied to how profitable FTX is perceived as being, right? So it, it sort of, it behaves like a stock, yeah. but it's it's not a stock. That's right. Yeah. So, so initial coin offerings are, are something that uh, crypto companies will do to raise money. Like it's analogous to stocks. Company wants to raise money. They will issue a share of future profits and tokens operate in not exactly the same way, but, but a, a similar way. It is about the confidence in the company and, the, and their future earnings. And, and there'll be different details about how the money might actually transfer, but you can kind of think of them in that way. But the big thing about them is that they are not regulated like ordinary stocks. You need an army of lawyers in order to, to, to do initial public offering with the normal stock market. Um, with a coin, you know, that's the Wild West and, and crypto companies have found it a lot easier to raise money that way. Right. Okay. Now, the other company involved here is Alameda Research. Tell me about this company. Alameda Research is also founded by SBF and it is a more speculative company. The sort of founding of it was basically, well, you know, Bitcoin was trading on a lot of different crypto exchanges and it was not trading at the same price on all of them. So you might see it trading for $10,000 on Coinbase and $10,100 on Bitstamp. And, you know, in theory, there's a 1% arbitrage to do their trading those against each other. So it, it borrows, it makes bets, it, it finds arbitrage opportunities. So inconsistencies in the markets where it can, you know, do what, what a trader might do and, and kind of just see those inconsistencies and, and make a bit of cash. And so, 
you know, again, on the surface, nothing wrong with this, nothing necessarily illegal about this. But this is kind of where the problem started in Alameda research. And the, la- the last character, maybe important character involved in this story is a guy called Chung Peng Zhao, who's known as CZ. And he's the chief executive of a company called Binance. Tell me about Binance and, and CZ yeah. if you could. Yeah, Binance is the number one crypto exchange. CZ is different than than SBF. He was actually uh, mentored SBF, but they've had some disagreements publicly. Most obviously that CZ is less of a fan of regulation than SBF is. And so they've been kind of frenemies, let's put it that way, in the crypto world. Okay. And an important thing maybe in the back, background to remember here is that FT, so FTX is a crypto exchange. Alameda Research is more like an investment, like a, sort of like a crypto hedge fund, right? Like it, make, it makes bets on the crypto market and it tries to make, yeah. make money. Yeah, yeah. And, and these yeah. are separate companies. They were both founded by SBF, who we met earlier, but they are nominally completely mm. separate companies. They could go about their own business. Parallel lines, never touching, theoretically. Theoretically. However, <laughs> but they live in, you know, they operate in the same co-working space in the Bahamas. SBF lives in this penthouse suite where the CEO of Alameda Research lives, who is a former, possibly current lover of his. There is no separating uh, these companies, really. Mm. And, I mean, we should point out here, and you, you have actually said this earlier, you know, FTX until recently was seen as a real foundation of the crypto world, right? Like, it was seen as a very reliable and highly valuable company. I think there was a fundraising round earlier this year that valued the company at $32 billion, which even in the world of crypto, um, that, that's a real show of, of faith in the company's future. No, absolutely. Yeah. So so this, this company was valued at $32 billion earlier this year. Now Sequoia Capital, which invested $200 million into this company, they wrote down that investment last week and they, they, they valued it at $0. So in a matter of months, FTX has gone from being valued at $32 billion to being valued by an investor at $0. How on earth, Darian, did that happen? So you might have heard about crypto just generally declining and a kind of string of various companies failing over the first half of this year. Crypto's market value has halved since its peak late last year, hemorrhaging and eye-watering $2.2 trillion. And these were often not as credible companies. These were kind of maybe more speculative or badly designed tokens or technologies, Alameda Research also lost a lot of money. They lost billions of dollars in in various bets, some of which may have been trying to scoop up some of these failing companies. But in any case, what is clear is that several months ago, Alameda Research needed some cash. And we have since discovered, the Wall Street Journal has reported last week, FTX lent $10 billion of funds that it had, including everyday users' funds, was transferred to Alameda Research. Yeah, that's right. We have some new reporting with our CNBC investigative team on how FTX unraveled. According to a source familiar with company operations, the quant trading firm founded by Sam Bankman-Fried, Alameda, was using customer funds from Bankman-Fried's crypto exchange, FTX, in a way that flew under the radar of investors, employees, and auditors. We spoke to sources who say FTX and Alameda kept these assets off of its balance sheet, and FTX drastically underestimated the amount it needed to keep on hand if customers eventually wanted to cash out. 
imagine you're a bank and you've got your your customer deposits and and you've got your savings, but meanwhile they're doing these wildly speculative things with your your money in an unproven technology in in a, in a declining market. You know, there are regulations to stop this, to protect customers who don't necessarily know what kind of risks their banks are taking. The big difference between cryptocurrency and the rest of the currencies that we are used to in this world is that there is no safety net whatsoever. There is no regulatory guidance. And as a result, when you see, you know, a a bank, a normal bank, that bank has backing to it. The government will come in and rescue what you have inside that bank if there is trouble. But FTX had been lending huge amounts of money to Alameda Research recently, and that started to go south over the last couple of weeks. FTX's token price was said to be being propped up by Alameda, and Alameda was allegedly using the token as collateral to fund its own trading activities. The fact that Alameda has a lot of FTX tokens is not great on its own, as it means that it's illiquid and they might need to sell these tokens down to cut risk, and that would push the price of the token lower. So, first of all, a new site called Coindesk on November 2nd revealed that this had happened. Over the weekend, speculation rose about the solvency of FTX. This came after a Coindesk report revealed Alameda Research's balance sheet is full of FTX's native token FTT. Uh, On Sunday, November 6th, there was kind of more rumors that that, that this was happening. We had the the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, was, was selling its stake in FTX's coin, mm. it's, it's FTT. And so that was half a billion dollars. CZ's announcement and selling caused FTT's price to plummet. And traders then rushed to pull out of FTX the exchange for fear that the firm would collapse. And so you start to see from Sunday, so, and we're, we're only talking just over a week ago, this mm. is how fast things are moving, just over a week ago, FTX was starting to see billions and billions of dollars withdrawn from its exchange. Estimates are around $6 billion over the next few days. And so this is causing a crisis. They, they don't actually have the cryptocurrency or the money on hand to pay all these people who were withdrawing money. And as I've said, this shouldn't really be too much of an issue for an ordinary exchange. But because it had actually done these lendings on speculative things – that made it really hard to give users their money. And, and, they, and so Sam Bankman-Fried held a meeting on Sunday trying to find more outsider investors to make up that shortfall. You know, we're talking six, seven, eight, nine, ten billion dollars that were needed. He shops around on Tuesday, CZ. He owns the world's biggest crypto exchange, Binance. And they said that they might be able to scoop up FTX. They might be able to lend to them. They might be able to acquire them. They might be able to you know, help plug that hole in the withdrawals that were needed and, and maybe restore some confidence. He says that's pending a bit of due diligence. 24 hours later, CZ does the due diligence. He finds, actually, the books are rotten and he doesn't want to go ahead with this deal. Hey there, Sarah. Yeah, that's right. Wall Street Journal reporting that Binance is walking away officially from that FTX deal. It says here Binance's issues are beyond our control to help. They're citing a company statement. We don't have that statement quite yet again. This is according to Dow Jones. Binance cites due diligence reports on mishandling of FTX customer funds for dropping that deal. Again, this and so then there's just a complete crisis in confidence in FTX, in Alameda, in FTX's coin. And 
we also see a crisis spilling over into other cryptocurrencies, into Bitcoin, into Ethereum, into all these other crypto technologies out there. And, and, and we're seeing the collapse of FTX and, and Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, is, is kind of looking around for more people to, to plug the hole. He can't find any. And by Friday, uh, FTX and Alameda Research have to file for bankruptcy. Today, FTX files for bankruptcy protection. Sam Bankman-Fried steps down as CEO and apologizes for his role in the company's collapse. The bankruptcy filing on Friday did say that on, for both companies that their liabilities were between $10 billion and $50 billion and that their assets were between $10 billion and $50 billion. So, I mean, there's a wide range between that. There's a lot of billion dollars between friends. Um, so if true, then maybe there is some percentage that could be allocated to certain investors. But then other reports are coming through putting a lot of cold water on on, on that. As, as, and you've had venture capital firms like Sequoia kind of saying that, that it's worth zero. You've had other reports of you know, how much liquid assets, how many assets that can actually be turned into cash fast. You know, that's it's, it's fractions on the dollar. So we'll see. I mean, there, there is an analogy of, of, a, um, of a Japanese company, a similar kind of story uh, 10 years ago that filed for bankruptcy. People are still waiting 10 years later to see what their allocation might be from that company going out of business. If we look at the issues, I suppose, here, one of them certainly seems to be that while FTX and Alameda Research were nominally separate companies, in terms of how they actually functioned, they were very much tied together. And in other areas of the financial system, that wouldn't be allowed. Is that right? Yeah. Um, there are rules about how banks or exchanges use their money. And there are rules about transparency and you know, there, there are standards for auditors and, and to, to show that the assets that they claim they have are actually what they have. And, you know, when you have various companies that, that are located in the Bahamas with a different legal code using a, t a financial technology that hasn't, you know, fully been regulated with the same history that, you know, regular money has been, uh, then you start to get these kind of issues. And, I guess the irony is that SBF, who was on Capitol Hill in the U.S. asking for more regulation, you know, he might get his wish. <laughs> there might be this might be kind of a, a burning platform to start regulating crypto more strongly. The other thing here, and I suppose this is delving into, um, I mean, riskier territory in a sense, in that there's an element of moral judgment about this. But like, I have seen a lot of people sort of saying that this this reflects like a lack of seriousness in the in the world of crypto. It goes on to describe how the partner side of the Zoom chat, the investors at Sequoia, lit up when SBF was pitching to them for investment. Partners were apparently freaking out. I love this founder, typed one. I'm a 10 out of 10, pinged another. The article goes on to say that during the pitch, it was noticed that Sam was playing League of Legends, a video game. The piece goes on to describe how the round raised a billion dollars, which was followed by a meme round where $420.69 million was raised from, wait for it, 69 investors. The idea being these are humongous sums of money what you do has really big ramifications and there is there's this idea that the crypto world is, is sort of being memeified in a way that's not being taken seriously. I, I mean, long-winded question, but is, is there merit 
to that commentary, do you think? I think there is something about the need for some adults in the room, some boring suits, you know, established auditing firms that maybe don't spend so much time on the metaverse, sponsoring metaverse parties, things like that. I, I think there is a case for, I don't know, looking through the, the bluster and the the partying and and the feeling that maybe the next generation understands this but we don't you know in in the older generation i th- i think i think there is a case for more due diligence and and kind of i guess the boring work of seeing can we really make vast vast sums of money out of nothing or or is this what could be argued to be a ponzi scheme is this the end of crypto no i, I don't think it is it's 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 certainly a loss in, in confidence it is the equivalent of the 2008 financial crisis in the crypto crypto world. Um, it is the start of a, a new era of potentially more regulation. I'm, I, you know, I, I look at the events that are happening and the, and the promises that are made in the crypto space with a bit of a skeptical eye myself. Like I, I put myself on the kind of, you know, wanting to test a lot of those assumptions. But, you know, there are some cases of some, you know, genuine innovations that could help in certain areas, um, certain elements of the financial world. And so so I, I'm, I'm reluctant to kind of say that, you know, this is this is some kind of tombstone in crypto it's it's a it's a it's a gigantic hurdle it's a, it's a huge blow but yeah there there are many enthusiasts this is an industry worth you know a little bit under a trillion dollars mm-hmm. in wealth whether whether it's for tax evasion or dealing drugs or 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 having wealth under a authoritarian regime um there are some use cases for this darren just finally on this when you reflect on this whole saga um what do you hope comes out of this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my my, my dream is to have a, a crypto space that is grifter free. <laughs> that is my goal. Twenty twenty five grifter free crypto. That's my pitch. Um, <laughs> but more realistically, I think I I would love to see a bit more regulation to kind of protect the everyday people, like you say, about having consequences for if you do mislead them or if you do withdraw money uh, that, that you shouldn't have from their accounts. I would love to see the enthusiasm for this whole space match what its potential promise actually is. Yeah, I would, I would love to see just more reflection on, on what these technologies could actually offer us rather than just kind of being allured to the, the, the very attractive mythology of quick and easy riches. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to Darian Woods. Matewa.